I'll tell you one other reason why I wrote it. Actually, there's many reasons, but but one is I really wanted to share a through hiker experience, uh, not just with you and our hikers, but someone who literally they dream and barely know about the PCT. Maybe they see the uh, the uh, trail sign and they feel the wonder just for a moment that there's this actual trail that goes from Mexico, Mexico Canada. But for someone sitting in their couch reading it, here's what I want them to feel for a moment. I want them to feel what it's like to be sitting inside a pit toilet outhouse. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and you've possibly noticed that the format of this podcast has changed from its original focus on gear and strategy to more stories and experiences. And today's episode is a perfect example of that. Today's guest is Scout, known off trail as Scout, or Scout and Frodo, and occasionally Barney Mann. He's known within the through hiking community for hosting PCT hikers at the Southern Terminus, but he's also a triple crowner. And the PCT is where it all started. In his new book, Journeys North, he recounts his and Frodo's 2007 through hike, while also lovingly telling the amazing stories of the tramley they walked with for 2,650 miles. And for those of you missing the trail, I asked for a special after-dinner talk. So get your cup of whatever, settle in, and enjoy the stories with Scout. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? I'm very good. And how are you doing there? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to talk about your book. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, can I ask you a question first? Sure, absolutely. How did you get started doing this? <laughs> doing podcast, you mean? Yeah. So I was supposed to be on the PCT this year. <laughs> okay. And... I shot or I worked on the TV series librarians up in Portland for three years. And hmm. while I was up there, a friend of mine said, you know, I happened to be mentioning that I wanted to do the PCT and whatever to him. And he said, Oh, my cousin did it with her son. And, you know, would you be interested in talking to her? And I was like, Oh, absolutely. And so we had dinner a couple of times and I got to pick her brain. And that was so, so much fun that I kind of came away from that and said, how can I do that more? How can I talk mm-hmm. to people who've done it? Um, and then kind of secondarily, I'm sure other people would also find value out of this. So how can I marry those two things together? And from that, a podcast was born. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it, it's funny. I was talking to to Doug uh, Lair, and I was telling him that story, and he was like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. You basically found an excuse to talk to the experts. I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually a bit um, – we did in a different vein the same thing. Mm-hmm. The year before we threw hiked in 2007, That's we started hosting hikers, 17, and for the same reason. 
it's a year before we're going out. We'll get to know them. Uh, we'll follow the ones who are posting online. We'll go out and go north and hike with them, and we'll learn. Mm-hmm. And also feed feed the flames of our own desire to do it. How how at that point how did you put out there that you were available to host hikers? <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually put it out at the year before two thousand five. Okay. And no one responded. Oh no. <laughs> no, oh my God! Yeah, but, but what are you doing? We found the right places to put it out there. Uh, okay. Back, um, are you at all familiar with the kickoff? Yes, yes. Okay, so it was this big event, and they did have a ride board, and we were just posting complete wrong place. Uh, also, we found the right place. Uh, the PCTA put up a note too, and there was a it used to be old listserv. Um, uh, and so we had a uh, see that year. Um, yeah, we had maybe a seven eight percent. Seventeen represented seven eight percent of that year's class stayed with us. Uh, How large days, was that year's uh, class? So back in the day, uh, that year's class maybe two hundred and seventy to eighty. Our year maybe it was three hundred. Um, and uh, the Great Recession kicked it up. As people lost their jobs, start doing it, kicks it up to 400, 500. And uh, then the real big boost years came with Cheryl Strait's book and the movie. Yeah. You know, because these days, these days, maybe 3,500 people actually go out with intention to hike. Yeah, they're issuing 4,000 permits. Uh, and we, uh, these days, uh, actually since 2008, more than a third of that year's classes have, have stayed in our house, stayed with us. That's a massive management task. <laughs> it is. And uh, we're both lucky we didn't get the trail names OCD. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just one, we're married 42 years and one of our strong suits always has been working together in some large project. And we've done that in a number of different arenas. You know, and the PCT was just one of the large projects, but that's the same with this too. We, we complement each other well. Uh, we're both organizers, and this, uh, this got went from 100 to 200 to 400 to 700,000. Every year we change our systems. So, um, and these days, you know, so much more is semi semi automated. Mm-hmm. So we can do what we really want to do. Most is one year in our house, we got time to spend with you. <laughs> wow. Uh, we had a uh, 2019. Uh, 81 different volunteers helped out. I wrote 81 thank you notes at the end of the day. That's how, and uh, we got this. Uh, we have a website not to track more people, but to make the information transfer easy. And you sign up. We always enter this stuff all by hand. I can't believe that. And have <laughs> physical wall charts. I can't believe that. You know, we've lived on a Google spreadsheet for uh, for years now. And you would fill it. You would fill in your required fields. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Were you going to stay with us this year? By the way. I wasn't actually because I live in Los Angeles. So a friend of mine was literally okay. just going to drive me down the morning of. But I feel like I was missing out on this big moment because everybody talks about staying at your place. Yeah. So you'd be very welcome to, or even if you do have friends help help out, mm-hmm. uh, come the night come the night before, okay. drive out with us in the morning. In fact, uh, if, you, if you got someone, you know, if you have that resource and someone's driving out, uh, but. Uh, let us know early enough. You and your friend be well, would be welcome to uh, sleep. You know, come uh, late afternoon, 
have dinner, enjoy the uh, the uh, experience, and then drive out next morning, and you do us a favor and take a couple more people out with you. I love it. Don't you? I, yeah, <laughs> I do. I, it's it. like this perfect synergy. Yeah. When do your doors generally open? Like, when are the first hikers kind of showing up? Uh, it used to be we didn't have opening and closing. And so we'd get a, you know, we'd get a smattering late February, early March, and get this big peak in mid-April, and it go down uh, quickly in May and still have a couple people. These days, we've, we've, for sanity's sake, we've had to have uh, a few boundaries. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we... Um, this year we opened up March 19 and we closed May 17. It'll be similar. It'll be similar days next year. And then do you kind of open back up a little bit as the Sobo hikers come through or? Uh, so when Sobo hikers come through, we never close. Uh, okay. we, there's word out. And like in spring, when you see I'm riding in the stay, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a period of time. And we used to back in the day when maybe, maybe there were 10 finishers. We'd see four or five people these days. These days, there's probably 30, 40 finishers, maybe 200 start. And we see about half of them, which is fun. And, and the earliest will be probably late October. And uh, the, latest, the latest we have was uh, December 9th, one year, someone finished. Wow. Uh, just a, a couple. In fact, this was so cool. It was 2008. And we had from... Uh, we call it the bakery board from Stahican to Manning Park early July. Uh, and in fact, it, uh, a lot of snow and some places maybe we shouldn't have, but we did. And when we're finishing our uh, day before we finish, we are 10 miles south of the border and we see th- three hikers lost. They're going off on the ridge. <laughs> They're on the trail. We call out to them um, and we meet up and they're starting through hikers. <laughs> oh, we're cool. We're the first hikers they've met. This and this fun. And we get more info. So, you know, you get down to the end, call us. We'll pick you up. December 9th. <laughs> uh, with, with, with two guys with big beards and the uh, gal trail worn but happy. Uh, we picked them up. We were the first people they saw on trail and the last people they saw on trail. That's amazing. Just fun. Yeah. But uh, we're chatting. You probably want to get into it. Well, I feel like we're already into it because. I don't know. It, this is this is all the, the thing that the 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 difficulty, the dilemma that I had reading your book is that like there's no stray strings. Everything that you've written has a there's a point to it. Like there's a story that goes along with it. There's a there's a, a full story arc for each thing that you've kind of put in your book. And so it's like I I was kind of thinking to myself how much do I want to ask him directly about the book? Because how much do I want to give away for the people who are going to go and read it? <laughs> yeah. And so are you going to want a, uh, go. um, um, uh, would you like, um, uh, a, uh, a short reading? Ooh, as part of this. Oh, I would love that. I enjoy doing that too. That would be incredible. Yeah. I think, uh, which one's like to do? Always introduction, which I, I I can't read. Every time I read it, it's still fresh to me because it carries me right back there. Mm, yeah. And uh, there's also the forming of Team Snowplow, which is good. That's <laughs> I love Team Snowplow. <laughs> we had actually the individual pairs 
some of them gave, uh, had their own names and their, um, uh, Blazer and Dalton were, um, Oh, they were team Arctic Fox and they actually had some hand movements to do it. They would do, they would shiver. It was a team Arctic. They'd shiver. And then their two hands would quickly dart up to above their heads like fox ears. <laughs> oh, perfect. And so yeah, like every time okay. they, they said team Arctic Fox, they would do that. Oh yeah. And it'd be team Arctic Fox. You know, the <laughs> Arctic, they'd shiver, and then Fox, their hands would, yeah, every time. So what was you and Frodo's team name? Oh, ours was the bus. We thought it was so clever. <laughs> so it was a play on our words. Uh, it was a play on our last name, Man. Um, and do you remember the the, the, uh, the Men in Black movies? Yeah. Okay. So we were team Man in Black, looking to the light. Yeah, it just fell over flat. The kids, you know, they're, they're looking light and you forget everything. And it just fell. We, we were, we thought we were so clever and they just started laughing at us because it was so dumb. But you, but you held on to that for the, for the remainder of Team Snowplow. No, we, you kept playing with it? we did it a couple times. We, we, we did it a couple times and said, okay, <laughs> that went over like lead balloon. <laughs> we're shutting up on that, that one. And it's just, have you done a long hike? I have not. So. Uh, one of this, uh, you've been out for a week. You've been out for overnight. Um, um, I have definitely done overnight. Not not recently. It was more I disclosure, I guess. Um, I grew up in Leavenworth, Washington, so right on the um, edge of the Cascades yeah. and the Enchantments and stuff like that. And so growing up, we would go camping um, out into the the mountains, basically. Great. And 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 by asking the question that there's no there's Absolutely no judgment intended. Um, uh, one of the skills you have to, uh, one of the survival skills is being able to make lemons out of lemonade. Yes. You know, you, we were in really difficult conditions, to say the least. And you still have to find ways to laugh and, and find ways to brighten your spirits. And that's what this, you know, that's what both these things were. Yeah. Otherwise, I think you would, you would just turn around and go home. Yeah. Better kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although going home is a better choice. <laughs> All right, I got a. Let's put a card here. So I'll have to hold the phone and read at the same time. Yeah, I think that's what I like to do is the uh, forming journeys north. And if you want to do the induction, also you just you just say so. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, this is what's so neat about the trail is you, know, you and I we've never met before, and we immediately have this huge connection, and we're just sitting chatting like old friends. It is pretty amazing how it brings people together. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm going to jump into that once once you've done your reading because that's part of the brilliant beauty of your book actually as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm ready whenever you are. Absolutely. Go for it. Aaron, it's a real pleasure to share with you uh, uh, a uh, portion of the back of the book. It's one of those key moments on our uh, on our through hike, you know, I can still. It's 13 years ago, and I can still remember it. We have been kicked out of the out of Cascades, and we had 50 miles left to Canada, and we holed up in the little tiny town of Winthrop. And you know, we got our 15 minutes fa- of fame in a tiny town in, in <laughs> Washington. This little group of people will they will they go out again? And so here it is, um, ourselves, Frodo and I, and Blazer and others of uh, and others who've been um, Knocked about in the PCT. Blazer was holed up in her room, two doors down from ours. 
She was subdued, still feeling shell-shocked. When she'd arrived, the first thing she did was trim and clean her nails. Habit runs deep, and she'd given her hands what care she could, even if she couldn't protect them from the cold. Next up was a blessedly warm shower, but it wasn't the usual comforting bomb. Soaping up, she couldn't shake an unsettled feeling. Suddenly thrust from extreme cold to civilized luxury, she knew she might be thrust right back again. The unease penetrated her bones, just like the bone-deep cold on Cutthroat Pass. Blazer could feel it. Everyone was gearing up to hike out tomorrow. She answered a sharp rap on her door. Frodo, my wife. Frodo was there, short, stern, and intimidating. Come on, you're coming with me. The conversation was crisp. Where are we going? Across the street, Frodo said. What are we doing? I'm buying you a jacket, gloves, and waterproof socks. Blazer stammered. No. She resisted, rooted to her spot inside the doorframe. I'm a burden again, she thought. I've been bailed out too many times. No more. Not this close to the end. Frodo looked up at the tall young woman and crossed her arms. I don't want to hear an argument. You're coming. What was Blazer to do? Her trail mom had spoken. Yes, ma'am. At Winthrop Mountain Sporks, Blazer steered them toward the least expensive jackets. No, try this one, said Frodo. What color do you want? That's what broke Blazer's shield. I get to pick the color. I'm getting something new. Inside her still was the five-year-old girl who'd stared up at her mother paying the food stamps. She burst out with a smile. Soon after, Blazer walked out of Rita, Rita's clutching her new clothes in a bag. That night, we devoured pizza at a long table at the Riverside Grill. Our number had increased from 10 to 11. Two of us a couple, one pair of friends, and seven, like Blazer and Dalton, who'd largely hiked on their own. For 2,600 miles, we'd made our own decisions. Dalton said it best. We'd all become fiercely independent. We'd also absorbed the latest information. Rita's weather forecast was bleak. We couldn't wait it out. It also wouldn't help to rail against the unheard of early snowstorms. We had a short window now to try to finish the PCT or no, ch no chance at all. From Rainy Pass, we had 61 miles to Canada and eight more to Manning Park. Three days and two nights. That's all we needed. Our last bailout point was halfway at Hearts Pass. There, the PCT crossed a dirt road that led 18 miles out to civilization. And just a few miles after Hearts Pass, there was a yurt near the PCT. We could stay there the second night, that is, if we could reach it. All of this begged the question, would we, die-hard, iconoclasts all, work as a group? We laid down parameters. We stay together. We have a designated front and rear who always stay inside of each other. But what about peeing and pooping? Chigger popped off an answer. I expect everyone to find something interesting and look the other way. We talked on. The best navigator was Disco Dan. He'd stay right near the front, next to Frodo the maps. We spoke of what can happen in the cold, not eating or drinking enough, hiding that you're hurting. For my scouting experience they offered, we should have an old-fashioned buddy system. Each person keeps a close eye on the other. If they're not peeing, they can drink. If they're not eating, get out an energy bar. Watch closely. You need to know if the other is in pain. When was the moment? When did we cast in our lot? There never was a vote. Blazer sat there and just tried to absorb it all. This was completely outside her skill set. But she did sense her ears perking up the moment the group coalesced. It was Chigger who said, let's hear it for Team Snowplow. We had a name. We'd hike as one. And there you go. 
I have goosebumps. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sorry to hear that. I had a woman. Uh, I had a woman the other day. Um, uh, of, of all things, I ended up on a on a um, uh, dog lovers program on some NPR stations because the dog Pacha is featured in the group. Yeah. And she sent me an email. I was going to. Um, uh, I was going to bed. I was going to read the next few pages, and I hit the last third. I finished at five a.m. You kept me up all night. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I'm not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, and this has been a labor of love for you for like a decade, right? Over a decade? Yeah. Took me, uh, um, I interviewed over 70 for the book, because this is all true. It reads like a novel. That's my Mm -hmm. intention. That's a story. It'll carry you along. Um, But it is all true. Uh, I got to know these people while on the trail, and especially to know some of the... uh, of the key elements uh, and it's still it, it's still it still amazes me that uh, uh, these younger folks who are also featured along my wife and I that they trust me with their backstories yeah. yeah so it took a year to do interviews and when I started working in the manuscript it was three years and uh, ten months and our bodies are amazing the entire three years and ten months I was never the slightest bit sick at all. Uh, and no one made me, you know, I would have caught one or two colds in time period. Within a week of when I finished, I had this wretched cold. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's a little bit uh, of the same happens to us out on trail. I mean, like for five months, being in some bloody awful conditions. I think that there's something deep down we reach inside and we rise to this. We rise to it. If it, it took you three years and ten months to write it, and now it's finally coming out. What what was the holdup between that and and now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I shouldn't be laughing at, but I laugh at that the same way. The same way I laughed, uh, Frodo and I. Uh, we had a young man jump on in Oregon. He's going to do the entire state. That's great. And he quickly fell in uh, with the group we were leaf, leapfrogging with around us. And became one with us. And on day three, he steps into our camp at 5.45 in the morning. We're almost finished. And the two of us must look like like a, you know, parental types. And he trusts us. And he sort of lowers his voice and says, can I ask you a question? Say, of course. And the question he asked us was, when does the pain stop? <laughs> and Aaron, that's what we did. We laughed. Because the truth is the pain never stops. But the wonder of being out there is what carries you through. And so you just asked the question, so, you know, what happened between this manuscript and it's uh, three, four years later before you get it published? And it's birth. <laughs> um, so the original manuscript was 180,000 words. Wow. As published, okay. as published, it's just over 100,000. Okay. Um, and it wasn't that what what was cut was bad. Some of the uh, some of the best things I'm, I'm I'm debating not debating. I will do some director's cut stuff. I'll put out there, but you need to stay true to your core narrative. And uh, this is what happens to books. The book, the um, what I took heart with during the time of editing and re-editing, and having someone else take a hard look at it, and having my nose rubbing. You know, this that one piece is a great story. I saved a hiker's life out there 
And it's this dear moving story that also involves me having to make a hard choice between Frodo and myself, my wife and I. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the last things cut. And not because it wasn't a great story, because as you read through it, pulls you, the reader, are pulled to the side yeah. and then allowed to go back onto the path. And it was hard, but it was the right decision to do. Uh, but one thing that gave me a lot of solace is the uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning book, uh, Catch-22, many mm-hmm. years ago. After he did his own editing and had honed it down, from the manuscript he submitted to the publisher to when it, this masterpiece actually came out, a full quarter more was cut. So one of the answers to your question why, well, from a December, I actually finished the manuscript in December of 2014. Uh, and I guess another reason why is I did go on two through hikes between yeah. then and now. So I went on the, I did the, it took five months to do the CDT in 2015 and five months to do the AT in 2017. So there's, you know, there's close to a year. There's a year that, that that was knocked out, but it's not just the editing. You could have the best manuscript in the world, and if you don't interest a publisher, if you don't learn learn the ways of getting it from from in this case your computer out into um, uh, where I, I can hold a book in my hands, uh, there's a whole long process in there. It's, it reminds me a little bit when, when we uh, first had our uh, um, our first child, our son, and you think, oh, you know, uh, we decided to have a kid now, and you get pregnant, and you don't realize, it's, it sounds stupid, <laughs> but you don't realize, oh, there's this whole nine-month period then that, that, that happens <laughs> that you live through before you actually are holding this baby in your hands. Yeah, there's a lot of heavy lifting to be done both editing and then uh, seeking out and, uh, um, and getting a publisher. Yeah. I, it's interesting that you, when you talk about the editing process, because that is definitely one thing that I noticed with the book. And I think I was mentioning it earlier, but there's, there's literally no spare words. There's no spare story. If you say something at some point, that's sort of like the opening Pandora's box, like you're going to answer the question at some point you, you um, are really good about tying up the story, which, which sort of uh, is, it was interesting for me reading the book because as soon as you, you drop the first breadcrumb, I was like, Oh boy. Okay. I know I'm going to know what, where this goes, but Oh God, where's this going to go? <laughs> so actually, if you'll indulge me, let's give an example of that. Because that is what you just described us all over the, the uh, one-page introduction, which I wrote and rewrote easily 25 times. Can I do that? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Introduction. Frodo's birthday. Anyone out there not acquainted with trail names? Um, out there in these long trails, if you were dropped into Hogwarts or Narnia or some other you know, wonderful land inside a book, you'd want a different name. That's one of the things we do out there. Uh, often the name is uh, bestowed on you. Sometimes because you did something stupid. Uh, my wife's name is Frodo. Uh, I'm a scout to thousands, if not ten thousands of people. I'm 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 simply known on the trail as a, a scout. So with that introduction, Frodo's birthday, Tuesday, October second, two thousand and seven. Blazer couldn't feel her toes. In the pre-dawn gloom, the twenty-five-year-old stomped a path over a foot of fresh snow. 
but the effort barely blunted the cold. This was the second blizzard in three days as the Gulf of Alaska hurled once-in-a-generation storms at Washington's Cascade Range. After five months hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, Blazer was wearing her fifth pair of running shoes, and the studded soles were ground flat, much like her muscles, sinews, and joints. She'd come over 2,600 miles, only 40 left to reach Canada. She'd sworn days before, I'll crawl if I have to. Right behind her, Frodo and I brushed fat snowflakes from our bent shoulders and packs. A dim light penetrated the pine and spruce thicket. Happy birthday, Frodo, Blazer piped up. We jerked as if poked. In the 30 years we'd been married, I'd never forgotten Frodo's birthday. But this time, focused on the cold and not getting lost and unsurviving, we both had. What do you want for your birthday, Blazer asked. Frodo, her breath visible, didn't hesitate. I want to finish the day alive. Two more storms swept in over the next three days, smothering the Pacific Crest Trail and thigh-high drifts. On Thursday night, Seattle King 5 TV News reported, three Pacific Crest Trail hikers are missing. Chatter lit up the internet within minutes. Goodness, it's so cold now. May the Lord protect them. Past midnight, one of 60 soon-to-be rescuers wrote, I'm headed out to Stevens Pass to work the search. But they weren't searching for us. They were searching for Nadine. Yep. And <laughs> and I don't want to spoil it in terms of what happened, but but yeah, I mean, you take you have to you go through the entire book to get to Nadine's to that moment, to the payoff of that moment, basically. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you one other reason why I wrote it. Yeah. Um, actually, there's many reasons, but but one is I really wanted to share the through hiker experience, uh, not just with you and our hikers, but someone who literally they dream and barely know about the PCT. Maybe they see the uh, the uh, trail sign and they feel the wonder just for a moment that there's this actual trail that goes from Mexico, Mexico Canada. But for someone sitting in their couch reading it, here's what I want them to feel for a moment. I want them to feel what it's like to be sitting inside a pit toilet outhouse <laughs> with it colder than snot outside. It is blowing 40 miles plus, which is why you retreated inside this outhouse because the only where, place you can get a flame going to heat your tiny little dinner in your tiny pot. You're wearing every scrap of clothes you have. The throne in the pit toilet is two feet from your head. You're huddled over your dehydrated dinner and you know what you are happy you're out on this on this on this adventure of a lifetime and your your joy in that moment yeah and what you don't know what happens next uh because this is tony uh, one of right. the six i featured in the book tony was there and what happens next is its own small miracle someone knocks on the door and it's frodo and me and we've made the same crazy not you are not in the town today decision this was the only rational thing to do was to go inside this one building and uh get out of these conditions and uh, uh but cook our dinner we had a jolly time in there the three of us <laughs> i could see it being like this party because the insanity of the moment as well would just kind of add to the joyfulness of it yeah yeah was this story always meant to be because, I mean, it's you and Frodo's story, but you, your story 
is almost even lesser than everybody else's story in the book. And so was that always the way it was meant to be? Or did that sort of evolve as you started talking to people and, and started to write? I wrote it because I became privy to, to some really deep stories on the trail. Mm-hmm. One of the neat things when you're out there is you'll have almost every day you'll have a conversation with someone that will be the equal of a conversation you might have once a year in town with a best friend. And I really wanted to tell these tales. Uh, but in particular, uh, Blazer, who's probably the uh, um, uh, largest presence yeah. um, um, in the book, young woman, 25, dear soul, uh, who'd been uh, knocked about in life and always seemed to find, no matter how bad the knock was, find her way back towards solid ground. I thought for sure she would never want me to share these stories. So how can I write and still bring you, uh, you the reader, to the same place? So the original format was I was going to write it like a historical fiction book. So the background is all real and it's real people. But in the foreground, I'd have imaginary characters who would evoke the same feeling. And then my wife, Frodo, uh, um, I got, you know, I got six months into this and already fashioned a lead character. I'd, I'd, I'd grown to really uh, feel was a good friend and begin to love. <laughs> uh, and Frodo looks me in the eye and she says, you have made an assumption. You need to ask Blazer. And so I did. And her answer was, Scout, I trust you. It would be okay. And you could have knocked me over with a feather. Yeah. That's quite an evolution for her. It is, and it has continued to be. Uh, she, well, she and the other, uh, she, Tony, Nadine, and Dalton have uh, shown a lot of patience to a guy who has interviewed each of them multiple times <laughs> and has been back at them literally hundreds probably more than a thousand emails that that has the subject line one more question or four <laughs> more question they have been they have been uh, their trust their their faith and their enthusiasm has carried me through to this day um, Frode and I are are so close with the blazer she actually asked us uh, to officiate at her wedding which we did but the uh and it's the only event on my continental divide trail hike. It's the only event I came off trail to do it. Uh, we got off trail one day, flew to Ketchikan, Alaska the next, officiated her wedding, flew back on day four, and on day five, I'm out hiking a, uh, another another 20-mile day on the CDT. Yeah. So, so with Blazer's answer, I then, uh, I then switched into the format, is, which is at, um, um, as you read it. And if anything, to the editing process, uh, I was repeatedly asked to elevate Frodo and myself. That maybe we were the uh, in the first draft, maybe oh, you know, uh, maybe we were an eighth or a seventh of the book. And repeatedly, I heard the reader needs to know more, to know more about you. You are effect- effectively the narrator, the right. voice, and they need to trust you more and they need to do more of your stories. And another message I heard, and it really took to heart, is if I'm going to tell their stories, truthfully, I have to be willing to bear my own and tell them. And as you've read, there are some um, uh, stories you might think, well, why are you telling how sort of feel about this? <laughs> true. True, true. 
And I think that that's one of the most important gifts of the book. And, and one of the biggest things that I took away from reading it, it, it was so interesting because going into the book and as you first meet everybody, I, I literally think everybody is carrying this, this secret or these, these secrets that they feel that they can't share with the world that they're so afraid of or embarrassed by or, you know, fill in the, the words. And through the evolution of the book, through the evolution of them going through the trail and you guys included, slowly but surely the, the secrets, those things that they were so, that they worked so hard at, spent so much energy holding tight to, they released and spoke about and in speaking about it, it was, it was sort of like, and, and a lot of that also related to the way that the people that they spoke about it to responded, but it felt like it just released the pressure and, and almost, and literally for everybody, like they finally felt safe to speak their truth and their truth was accepted and it set them free to, live their best lives or to to be their best selves i have said the worst thing about myself that could and oh my mm-hmm. gosh i'm still loved they still yeah. like me i'm okay still yeah exactly that is that's i think probably one of the most incredible gifts i feel like that the trail gives yeah. and you know it, it's obviously all the way through your book numerous times actually but I hear that a lot from everybody else, pretty much that I speak to as well. You know, that, that there's this moment where you, you accept and you get accepted. Yes. And one thing I really like to tell people is you don't have to go out for five months to do this and to have that, to have that experience or some degree of that experience. Uh, because to be frank, most of us can't and never will. But simply by going out your front door and walking, especially today in these days of COVID, uh, when we're, you know, we've all been knocked off our paths. Uh, you walk out your front door, walk to the park. Uh, I had the experience recently. We thought we would never have this. Uh, we're fairly new grandparents, uh, daughters in DC. She and her husband strong, competent young people. Uh, she was eight months pregnant at the start of COVID. Um, wow. and she called a daycare cancels with our two-year-old grandson and we get a call for help and we jump on a deserted south, southwest jet and for three months we sheltered in place with them and every day at 11 o'clock I would take my two-year-old grandson at first reluctantly and we'd go on a long walk to the end of the block we're probably, we're probably walking total uh, uh, a half mile and we did so by going from the first bench to the second bench to the neighbor's house who had an owl out in front of it. And we'd sit down by it and he'd say, talk owl, talk owl. To the neighbors that had garden gnomes in front and we'd move them around and then the neighbor would start moving them around. To our favorite fire hydrant and our second favorite fire hydrant. To our favorite manhole cover. And what happened, and just simply by going out, the two of us, is all these homes we passed didn't know anyone within days, within weeks, we had this whole community form around us. 
people who would look forward to seeing us, a guy who, who would, who, who cut flowers after we admired them and left them on our daughter's doorstep, uh, uh, to people awaiting our, our, our sidewalk chalk drawings. And I don't draw worth a, worth a, worth the beans, but I do draw a recognizable tank truck and a recognizable steam engine just by the simple act of going out and walking. We had this whole community for him. Yeah. And it's so interesting that that was literally waiting out there for you both to tap into. Yes. Land you walk over, even as simply as your own block, and you may have driven by it a hundred times. Land you walk over, you feel differently about, and you notice things differently about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how you basically created a, a version of a little a through hike for your grandson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and his name is his name is Cormac, which I love because it's yeah, named after uh, after the author. Did he did he get a trail name on his on his hikes? Oh, uh, but Cormac doesn't even know. No, but God, mm-hmm. yeah, the stuff we did. There was one neighbor. Uh, older couple, even older than me, and I'm 68. Uh, they uh, they um, uh, they had a s- swing on a large oak, so th- the chain was 20 was 20 feet. And they said, "You guys ought to you know, sit on this." So next day we did, and it was actually it was brokenish. Uh, and the next day after that, I see this. He's in his middle 70s. He's on a 20 foot ladder. He's taking down the old swing and he's putting up a new one, which is just like. Just like what, one of the things that really happens on the trail, uh, you go out overnight and you still feel uh, uh, backpacking, you still feel similar. But on a long trail, especially, if I would see you coming at me on the trail right now, hit I can tell me, this is what I would know. I would know you would give me the shirt off your back. And I would know that you're looking at me and feeling the same thing. Simply because we're out here. And because the way we got here was by walking. There's that, that connectivity. Yeah. And here's this guy who I barely met. And he's, it's dangerous up there. This ladder is, you know, Elliot. You know, shouldn't you be, you know, would you strap the top of the ladder into the tree? And he was so tickled to be able to do this. And he bought a new, you know, new galvanized metal swing. And then it wasn't just us who used it, but uh, other neighbors started using it. Yeah. As you said, simply by walking out our door. Yeah. And it, it's funny because in some respects, as frustrating and annoying as COVID has been, in some respects, it's also given us all a moment to to stop and breathe. Because I've, well, not to that extent, I've found the same thing. Like I, that's what's kept me sane is going out and walking every day. And I've met people that I've probably lived next to for years but never met them. And through this process, through walking, them walking, me walking, we've now said hi and we, and we talk like every day that we pass. It's, it's very mm. cool. So I guess so, sort of circling to the, the trail names in the book, you mentioned this, but I would, I wonder what your take on it is um, even more so like your trail name is scout and you mentioned two reasons or two ways that potentially that name could have been given to you. A, because you are a scoutmaster or you were a scoutmaster and B, because of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, which do you kind of feel like represents? <laughs> so the, as with any good trail name, 
and it's one of the fun part of television. They usually have a story. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Pepper got his name because he actually sprayed himself with a uh, pepper spray. <laughs> um, Rolling Thunder. John Hensel was a tough New Zealand journalist. Uh, day three on the Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, he happened to have had some meetings at lunch today, and he's sitting around with some newest best friends of his. And what does happen when he means is happening. And the woman turns to him and says, what is that noise? And he says, that would be rolling thunder. And a decade later, he remains rolling thunder. A scout um, came about day one on a John Muir trail hike. John Muir trail was 211 miles long. Froden and I did it in 2003 to see if we would come off it, see if we could do it, our first long trail, and to see if we come off it still with that same fire in the belly burning inside to do the PCT. First day out, a young man attaches himself to us like a <laughs> like a limpet on a ship. Uh, uh, he just graduated high school, obviously a bit lonely, and um, you know, we look like you know, mom and dad types. Three hours later, talking, this is the question I hear from him behind me. And it is, what's the most important thing you've done in your life? And I have a number of truthful answers at that moment. Uh, and the one that came out of my mouth was, uh, I was scoutmaster for a large Boy Scout troop for five years. The scoutmaster feels a bit pretentious. And the book we had torn up, and here I have to apologize again. Back in the day, we used to tear up books, take the first 100 pages with us, put the next 100 in the resupply, and that's sort of that. The book we had torn up and we're carrying with us was To Kill a Mockingbird. And who would not want to be named after nine-year-old Scout Finch? That's, so that's how my trail name happened. It was it was the perfect uh, the perfect perfect meeting. Yeah. We have a bumper sticker I have up uh, uh, that's on a window looking on the outside to our backyard where we have hikers in it. And what it says on it, it says, "What would Scout do?" <laughs> <laughs> where did you find that? Uh, someone mailed. Oh, this is what happens. Someone mailed it to us. You know how many thousands, not ten thousands, people know. Uh, you know, then I'm scout and someone mm-hmm. saw it somewhere. And uh, the next thing I knew, it showed up in the mail. That's amazing. It, it is funny, like for you, like usually when I'm talking to somebody on the podcast, I refer to them as their, their given name. But, but for you, like you just, you're scout. That's everybody refers to you as scout. All I've ever heard, uh, you know, about you is scout. Like you're just, you're scout. <laughs> Period. Like a de- that, or I'm scout of Scout and Frodo. Yes, <laughs> People exactly. People say it oftentimes, but it's just one name, exactly. Scout Frodo. And we have to apologize. I'll do that once again, that our names are sort of a, um, um, you can't, by the name, you can't tell which one is which, because the Scout could be, you know, guy around, same with Frodo. And we'll oftentimes have people, uh, you know, mix them up, and that's just fine, too. It is funny. And as soon as people say, or start to say scout, like I know exactly where they're going <laughs> or exactly where they've been. One of the two. <laughs> and and one of the things that people talk about, about staying with you is that you give a talk or somebody while they're there gives a talk um, about being on the trail and things to remember and stuff like that. A few years uh We've been trail ranging, hosting, starting hikers in San Diego since 2006. This year would have been our 15th year. Uh, and we realized very early on, we're getting 
we're getting more than a third of that year's through hikers through our house, which means we have this real opportunity to um, nudge or positively influence um, um, hiker behavior. So we start doing an after dinner talk and being uh, very intentional about it. Aside from telling some fun stories and being goofy, or maybe one of us being goofy, because that of us is a scientist and she's not as goofy as I am. <laughs> and if, I'm not sure if I said it loud enough to get a laugh out of her, but <laughs> she's in the other. Okay. She heard it? She did kind of hear it. Yeah, <laughs> she heard it. Both, um, we weave and leave no trace. Uh, talk about uh, the, uh, you know, with 3,000 people at, uh, you know, think of how many sheets of toilet paper a day. Uh, for 150 days that those we left out there have been carried out. It's two very, very different things. Uh, talk about soap in the wilderness and what it actually can do out there. Or maybe we should be thinking twice about it. Um, uh, behavior toward each other, looking out for each other, interspersed a few stories, and also that so often hiker gets picked up to go in town and hitchhike. You will have each each hiker on that trail will have experiences where they are the only long distance species hiker that person will meet this summer, and so based on that one experience is, is the impression folks will carry both the trail and of hikers, and just focusing on that for a moment, you go, oh, I guess that's right. <laughs> so maybe maybe I'll go a little more out of the way to be please thank you, or maybe I'll go more out of the way. The, First words out of my mouth will be, uh, I apologize for my smell. Would you like me to roll down the window? <laughs> uh, and what we also talk about is, um, um, especially the last three years, is we had two of our hikers, uh, two of our hikers died. Tree and strawberry, they each stood and stayed with us for, for, uh, um, for three days. Got them, one from Japan, one from uh, China. Strong, competent hikers, but also slight and slender. And in a big snow year, um, their bodies were found, two different stream crossings in the high Sierra. And every night I make myself say those words again and then go through a series of five different stream crossing strategies. And the last two of which are, if you come in this area anywhere, it's a dangerous stream crossing. And you've gone through these other strategies and you're there still looking at this thing. Wait. Another hiker will come along and then you'll have two of you. Uh, we had a, uh, two years ago, we were hiking with some friends in Sierra Nevada and they proceeded to tell us the story about earlier, uh, earlier that summer that, uh, they'd, they'd gone in early and so the water was running high and they come up on another hiker, uh, just sitting there waiting in a stream crossing. He'd been there for three hours. And he asked him, well, you know, why'd you wait for three hours? And he says, well, there are these people I stayed with in San Diego. <laughs> and then the three of them got safely across. Yeah. Yeah. I, what, what literally flashed into my mind was, uh, was the song, uh, How to Save a Life. Huh. Hmm. Candy, hum a few bars or, 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 or uh, was uh, there a line or two? Do you sing? I don't sing. Um, but it, it's just the, the phrase, how to save a life, you know, and, and saving a life today, whether you know it or not, or, or the, the, the repercussions of your actions ripple forward farther and longer than you could ever imagine. Yeah. 
we had actually this is a little bit of an insider story for your folks. I don't think I've uh, told it in any interviews so far. One of the stories telling the book in Journey's North is about is about the day that Frodo fell. We had just crossed the California border, so we are feeling high. We have gotten three months. We've hiked for seventeen hundred miles. We are now in Oregon. The promised land. Yes, yes. Where it's flatter, where you can increase your mileage, and you're feeling really strong. I'm sitting uh, journaling about one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon. She had stepped off a little while ago to do uh, do her business, and I see her coming at up at me, and something is wrong. Something is really wrong. And as she gets closer, I see it looks like um, uh, uh, I can tell from her front she must have fallen. And one tooth, one of her two front teeth is hanging partially partially yeah. out, and the other one is, is knocked off. Uh, there's half of it's gone. It's just mm-hmm. We are 20 miles from Ashland. And what proceeds to happen, uh, you'll have to read by the book, but in particular, that night, having finally made it to a... Um, to an emergency room where the doctor in the city of 20,000 looks us in the eye on a Sunday night and says, the dentists won't come. They never do. That's why they're dentists. <laughs> and we finally played with him, make the phone call, and he reaches David Lair, who is a scoutmaster like I was, who is a backpacker, gets it right away, leaves a party with his family and his grandkids, and meets us 20 minutes later at his dentist's office. And for two hours, he works on Frodo. So I had reached our home dentist, uh, had his cell phone, he were friends, and he said, you have maybe a three-hour window, and you might be able to save one of those teeth. If you see a dentist tomorrow morning, they're both dead, they're both gone. Two hours, Dave Allaire works on Frodo's teeth, uh, is able, uh, the one that, that was partially out, that she'd shoved back into the socket, the uh, root is still connected, the nerve is still connected, and he reseats that. He builds out of modern ceramic materials, uh, the uh, the uh, second half, the, the top half of the other tooth, does this bridge, and I'm 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 holding lights and being his assistant the whole time. And we are so grateful to this man because he's you know he saved Schroeder's hike, and all the tale. Every time I want to bend down and kiss his feet, he tells us. Uh, I have to tell you, all week long, all week long, I do fillings and I do I do crowns and. This is creative work for me. I'm actually having fun. <laughs> we leave him that night. Uh, Frodo recoups the day. Next day, he's out doing a, uh, 20 miles, and we go on. The next contact we have with David Lair is six weeks ago. It's been 13 years. I'd always meant to write him. Something I did. And now the book's out. I want to put the book in his hand. He can read just, you know, uh, there's a page and a half he, he, this story is told and how grateful we are and that to this day every time I look at Frodo's smile because his work is still there those teeth did survive I, I remember that I'm grateful here's the email I get back from him so you finally reached out to him reached out to him okay. uh, and he sends us this long email back that I have been meaning to write to you the last five the last five years because you changed my life. Give me a break. What? What? He had, he was uh, down in the San Diego area about four or five years ago. And this happened to be on a day that we were featured on the front cover of the local paper because of our trail angeling effort. And he 
recognized this must have been that couple. Uh, she was a scientist. He was a lawyer. And uh, I knew they were in San Diego. This is them. And there's the picture. And um, he says that inspired him to get out and start hiking again. He jumped down your trail. And the fact in a few weeks, he's leaving again with some, uh, I think, sons or sons-in-law and some grandkids to do it again. And he's been meeting. He says, people, you know, people touch your lives. And you're touching my life was like, uh, was like a stone that sent out um, uh, ripples and ripples again. And here we thought, you know, I, I just want a chance to be grateful to this guy again. And, and, and we never knew. And all of us have these opportunities to do that. All of us. Yeah, I think that that's the thing that we discount so much. And in that, I circle back or I think back to the comment that we were talking about earlier, the thing that we talked about earlier with people holding their secrets. When everybody holds their secrets so tight or or when you're not sharing yourself, sharing your, your gifts, People, you feel so alone, and and you don't um, you don't realize the impact you could have unless you you let those secrets out, you let your creativity out, you you know you you share your gifts and and they will ripple ripple out there far farther and wider than you could ever imagine. Yeah, yeah, and you yourself will only hear about maybe one in a hundred of those things you've done. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to have faith. Yeah, that these uh, you have to have faith that these these uh, small acts or these telling of stories that you're doing will actually make a difference. Yeah, yeah. One of the uh, in, in, in the book and journeys north, one of the uh, uh, more searing stories is something that uh, you know, I was the I was the third person to hear after uh, after she told her mother and told her doctor. And what she says to this day was, you know, I was so incredibly ashamed and I felt so alone. And if one other person reads this and relates to it and feels less of that themselves, then it's every, every, every bit of worthwhile having, a, you know, um, having showed the story scout and having a story be in the book. Amen. That is, I think, what I what I aspire to with the podcast now mm. is is having people hopefully people listen to it and hearing stories, hearing people talk about their experiences, he, hearing people talk about their doubts inspires somebody to say, you know, I I could do that too. I'm not the only one. I because I'm this, I thought that I couldn't do that, but that's not the case. That was a lie I was telling myself, and and this person has inspired me to, to, to do something that I never thought that I would or could. I love hearing that. That's wonderful. You're making me. You're you're getting me a little teared up over here. But <laughs> that's not a bad thing. I know the inspiration is flowing. Yeah. There were so many. There were so many amazing conversations that you relate in the book. But probably one of my favorites was the shower confessional. Oh, Tony. Uh, first, I wish everyone someday can have the experience to have to have a shower where, the, where, the, where there's no roof, where it's open uh -huh. air to the sky. It's, it's this. Showers are neat things. Hey, actually, 
one of my one of the ways I've changed since I come home from the PCT is every time I take a shower. Every time I take a shower, I realize this is a miracle. This is water <laughs> I control, and I control the temperature. It's not 15 miles to my next water source when it might be a little, you know, scungy thumbnail spring. This is a miracle. So now I'm standing. I'm dirty from four or five days hiking the trail, and that's dirty as you don't get anywhere else, where it takes not only the first time that you soap up and goes down, the water's brown, but the second time you soap up, the water goes down, it's still brown. <laughs> so you're already feeling this amazing, I'm getting myself clean, and this water's coming up, dazzle, but the sky is open above you, and you see maybe pines, and you hear, you hear birds, and it's just, you feel safe, in a different way, if you open. And then at Candy Meadow Store, 700 miles up the trail, it's a, it's a two-staller. It's this skanky plywood uh, shower with both, you know, there's a, a cent- central plywood board that's all that separates you. And I think there might even be a couple of small little knot holes. Uh, but the, uh, and you're also open. It's open to the world from your feet up to your, uh, uh, up above your ankles. And you know someone's there next to you. And of course you do, you start chatting and you start talking to each other because you can't see the person. So it's even safer, uh, safer still. It felt like to me a bit like being on a psychiatric, you know, uh, you know like I might be on a, on a, on a psychologist's couch. So it's yeah. a trusty place. So I first hear from Allegheny and in five minutes I hear his life story about wives one, two, and three and how wife one told him it's either you or your guitar. And I've seen Allegheny play guitar. I know he chose the guitar still. And I don't know whether it was a wise decision or not. But the really moving one is that Tony and I, Tony steps in next. And Tony's one of those rare 30-somethings on the trail. The biggest cohort tends to be in their 20s. And the next biggest tends to be the just retired. Uh, Tony's in the rare 30-somethings. And all of a sudden, this guy, uh, who I'd gotten to know on the trail, starts telling me about the day at the end of a 14-year marriage when he finds himself, he says, Scott, I'm in the kitchen and I'm standing there and I can smell the gas that's coming out of the open oven and I look down on my hand, I'm holding, I'm holding a large kitchen knife and I don't know how I got there. And I can't even tell you, Scott, what, what happens next, what caused me to put the knife down and to go and turn off the gas. And here we are, and he tells me that. And we were in the safe place where he could speak those words to the universe and take take some of an obviously you know, a powerful moment for him and yeah. dilute that and become more at peace at that moment. And I was at a place where I could safely hear it. So Kenny Meadows' uh, uh, store, it's $2 for a towel to go out and... And, uh, <laughs> and have a cosmic experience in their shower. You highly recommend it. I highly recommend it, very much so. <laughs> Tell them scouts that you. <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. It, it's, I guess, not surprising how, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, couches are there for a reason, but uh, how brilliant it is to both be able to speak those words, but also to be able to hear those words, listen without judgment, listen without an agenda. Yeah. And it seems when we're putting one foot in front of the other, 
this, this is the most natural thing we do. What in your lifetime, one of the most, if not the most celebrated event, and you don't call it, I don't recall it. And we say, well, some of the first words are great, but she just took her first step. She's walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somehow when we continue to stay doing that, <laughs> doing this natural motion, we're open to things differently. And, you know, doing this natural thing, um, yeah, we're willing to, yeah, but we talk to each other differently. Uh, we, we feel, we feel safe. Um, hmm. Yeah. <sighs> I'm going to, I'm going to switch things up on you just a little bit here. Cause one of the, one of the other brilliant stories that I loved, or it's not even necessarily a story. It's just, it was a person. Um, and I think everybody in the world needs this person, which was, um, Mom Jan, whose response to literally everything that you threw at her. I knew that's what you were going to say. I love that. But whose response to literally everything that you guys needed or every, every moment that you guys, you know, reached that, that fork in the road and she made it possible for you to keep moving was the, the phrase, I'm on it. Hearing you say that almost makes me care up right now because here's one. She wasn't that much older than Frodo and I. And when we first met her and saw how she was, um, uh, she'd taken her son, who was through like her Figaro, uh, uh, that anyone around Figaro, she immediately took under her wing. Uh, from the first moment we saw her, that these, it, it was just evident that, um, this feeling of, I got your back and of mom in the best way, or this, this yeah. parental blanket in the best way. Uh, and the first time we met her, I remember just thinking, boy, I'd like some of that too. <laughs> and, and it eventually happened with us. You know, when she saved Blazer's hike. Uh, and at the end, actually a story I haven't told. It's not in the book. At the very end, Jan is there again. When we have this, this snow experience. And one of the legs of it, my parents in their 80s have come up to help us out. And in one of the legs of it, we have repaired with our tails between our legs to a little tiny motel. Uh, Jan had helped out, uh, uh, and uh, her, her 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 task was to make reservations for us. So when my parents uh, uh, picked up nine of us uh, in the van, we, we knew we'd have a place to go, and she did. But when we get there, you know, and my parents are in their eighties and they're decent, you know, they're, they're well off. Uh, when we get there and we go to pay, Jan has paid for all our rooms. One last way, she was being trail mom, and I love that my parents got to experience the I'm on it spirit. Yeah. And do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't been able to reach her. Anyone knows where Jan Owen is? I need to find a way to reach her so she can um, um, read just how, 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 just like we referred to earlier, how these ripples out and how. Right now, you and I are sharing with uh, are sharing with maybe someone will have a real positive effect as we talked about about uh, about uh, Jan. <laughs> I know I I just I loved her her embrace of all of you guys. Her I love her momming you guys. I guess is really yeah. what it is yeah. in the very best way possible. Right, right. Just I. I am there for you and you as you are. Exactly. Is there a favorite f- story of you and Frodo's hike that 
ended up on the cutting room floor? So she's right here. Is there a favorite? Yes, there is one. Oh, <laughs> is there a favorite story of, of you and I that ended up on the cutting room floor? Oh, well, in part, uh, she was a couple. Uh, there, there's actually two. And, and actually, both of these you might regard as being um, negative ones. She's look, Frodo's looking, giving me the eye right now. What's, what's going to come out of my mouth? Looking askance at me. And this is what we do after 42 years married. We can, listen, we can safely look askance at each other. Which one should I tell? Uh, gosh, I'll tell the town one. Okay. So this is tied in the question. What was the, we're a couple and we're pretty darn good together, but surely in five months and at a retrogression, you must have had some, uh, you know, some, 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 you know, some, uh, crappy interpersonal times. And here was the worst. The worst was it seemed almost every time we went into Trailhound town, the first seven miles, we got a little crosswise with each other. Because here's you, you go into a trail town, and for at least 24 hours beforehand, you've been eating, you've been eating backpacking food, you're scuzzy, you're dirty, and maybe I'll get to sleep in a you know in a in a bed and sit on the ground. And so what you have you've painted this picture in your head of the trail town as Nirvana. And what we didn't know is we had two different pictures of Nirvana. <laughs> and they were, and from the moment one we got into town, they were tugging at each other. And we, neither of us could understand, because we hadn't talked about it, why the other was doing the things that they're doing. Um, uh, she wanted food and shower. And why, I don't want, why are you not doing those first two things too? Why are you wanting to know where other hikers are? And wanting access to internet to, uh, to, uh, post up your trail journal and already fussing about trying to line up a ride back up trail. Why are you doing that? And it took us 700 miles, literally. Um, before we talked about it in Mammoth and realized and then having put it out in front of us that we could then give each other the space to do that. Uh, but that's a story that's not in the book. <laughs> Oh, and, and that Frodo doesn't agree with my rendition. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's what's her side of the story? Oh, what's your side of the story? Oh, oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, this is this is uh, yes. She's right. Um, uh, Part of where, where the where the where the pedal hit the metal was a bit was um, uh, I felt that uh, uh, that she wanted where I would be and when when I walked out the door motel room and uh, I wanted if, if I ran into somebody I wanted to be able to spend a half hour with them you know in the trail person and and and, and there we had yeah, that was probably the where it was the most pointed you're right <laughs> it's all good <laughs> it's all good yeah did you like the story in the book about um about um um, how many times today? About how many times today? Remind me. Okay, yeah. It, it, it's a tiny little one, but I really like it as far as between the two of us. And is it okay to mention the topic of sex? Oh, yeah. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. So please, yes, tell the story. I know which one you're talking about now. This is a, this is a good... Uh, yeah, most of the time we're hiking by ourselves. We occasionally leapfrog and occasionally with people. Most of the time we're hiking by ourselves. Uh, and this is a morning... It's going to be a real hot day. We are climbing the San Jacinto's, which will be beautiful, but not soon enough. Uh, we're maybe two hours into it, uh, across in the sandy wash. Uh, we're, uh, we got layers caked down. It's just, uh, uh, 
the last couple of days have been like that. And we've been quiet for a while. And I think to myself, you know, I need to say something that's to goose us and to, you know, brighten both our spirits. And what's, what's the most outrageous thing I could say to her? And what pops into my head, um, you know, we're in our 30s, you know, we've been 30 years married. Uh, she's 48, 55. What pops into my head is, I know, I'm going to ask her, how many times have you thought about sex today? And the answer I'm expecting is zero. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> it's morning time. <laughs> this is bloody awful. And I always walk behind her. And so to the pack that's uh, five, six feet in front of me, I say, uh, you know, I say, Sam, you know, how many times have you thought about sex today? And there's this pause, and she says, three, and walks on. <laughs> oh, my gosh, this woman I thought I really knew, and I love the answer. And for the rest of the trail, even oftentimes in front of other people, I just say, how many times? And she'd give me this look and give me a number answer. And I don't recall it ever being zero. <laughs> Now you know the depths of her love. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And we are now 43 years of marriage, three years married. I'm an incredibly lucky guy. And we actually both laugh about this. But um, she still takes my breath away at times. Still does. That is amazing. Yeah. I, I love hearing that. It It gives me hope. But here's the thing, too. Uh, if I get to preach for this moment, one moment, the two, we've we've uh, married two different couples, and it's always been the two of us officiating. Mm-hmm. I just want to say there. And the one single piece of advice we've given each time is, you know, or pledge we've asked for, is every day, every day, do something to work on your marriage. Every day. Because as you'll read in the book, uh, there was a period of time where we let ours go weak, and not just weak, but had some had a real, real, real tough time. Yeah. But you guys found your way back. Yes, we found our way back, and to this, yeah, I literally um, every time she touches me, reaches out. Every time I make her laugh, I notice it. And there was a time that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, that's thirty years ago. <laughs> but yeah. And I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. It actually, because you guys did the PCT together, but she was also on the Triple Crown with you, right? But not hiking with you, per se. Yeah. When you go on trail, people find either have one hike in them or not. And she was very clear that uh, I had a long trail in me. I'm so pleased I did it. But I, I don't. I don't have a second. It means also another truth is is her feet still hurt. Still hurt her to this day afterwards. Wow. So she knew I really wanted to do the Continental Divide Trail, and I wasn't set in date or time. I was working hard in this book. I mean, literally. Mm-hmm. And she's the one in 2013 started telling people that Scout's doing the CDT in 2015, <laughs> and I thank her for it. And we use the word only very oddly in this community because she only hikes 600 miles. Of I know. It's a relative thing. It is. But what she did the rest was she did support for me and a lot of other hikers on the CDT because the hitches there are really are much harder. Towns are further away. Uh, uh, we borrowed a um, 
uh, road trek, 19, a 19 foot converted, uh, or you know, like a mini motorhome, a friend. And this is a hiking world story too. We thought, oh, we'll buy a road trek and we'll sell it at the end, or we'll rent one. You just can't do those things. People hold on to them. They're a lot more expensive than I thought. <laughs> and we had a f- friend, Tammy, who we knew had one. Um, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe, maybe she, you know, this friend, she'd rent. And we call her. We hiked with her, uh, on and off in 2007. Uh, and we asked the question and Tammy said very quickly, I don't want to hear that word again. That was the word rent. She said, it's yours for six months. And we put 14,000 miles on it. Her friend put 14,000 miles on it. She wow. got it stuck in the mud one day. <laughs> Overnight, stuck in the mud. Um, and Tammy was so pleased with us having it out there and doing it that she says the road track has to have a trail name too. It can't just be the road track. And so now it's Benny, Benny the road track. <laughs> um, but we, but you were asking about Frodo. So for this CDT, you know, tremendously supportive. Uh, um, every three, four, five, six, or in one case, eight days, I'd see her. And on the AT, which I went on for the same reason, and she knew we really want to do that, and she started doing the same thing. She said it worked. Uh, she started telling people uh, the year before that, uh, in 2016, that scouts could do the AT, uh, which I did. Uh, and what, the way she likes to tell it was, I threw hike the scout on the PCT, uh, on the CDT, I did six amounts of support, and here's what I'm going to do on the, on the AT. And the visual would be, she'd just be holding up her hands, waving goodbye. <laughs> Which was not what happened on the ground. We had um, uh, the longest we'd ever been apart before was two weeks once. And here in the AT, she actually flew out seven different times. Seven, um, wow. Yeah, we had different times. We would stay for uh, four or five days or twice stayed a couple of weeks. And a couple times during the intro. Yeah. I was going to say, did she actually end up joining you, like during that couple week time of thing? Um, uh, a little bit. She got on trail once for three days. Uh, most okay. of the rest of the time, it, 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 it was it was a harder trail to get on for, that, uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, and so she didn't. Her, your story, her story of of doing the CDT has kind of inspired me in so much as. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be on the PCT this year. Obviously, I am not. And but I still wanted to have some connection to it. And so the story of uh, Frodo's road trip of the CDT um, inspired me to start planning to say late in September, hit Kennedy Meadows, rent a car, hit Kennedy Meadows and drive south from there and end up at the southern terminus and try to, you know, hit the trail as much as possible and wherever it crosses the road and and do that kind of thing and just stay connected. And and can I suggest one other thing to do that? Please. I don't think, yeah, we didn't, I didn't write about this. Another neat thing of our hike. We had left ourselves a few messages in a bottle from years before when we crossed the PCT. Uh, you want a small plastic, geometrically, and I pronounced that word long, but water sealed. Mm-hmm. And it, these trailheads are a couple of them. Write yourself a note, your future self. It was fun looking forward to it. Uh, we actually only found half of them. And we had other people the year before. Uh, uh, my scout troop went out on Sierra Trek. And the year before, they left me two different places, uh, notes. It was cool. At least I thought it was cool. The other thing, 
is when you get to San Diego, even still very much in time of COVID, please look us up. Let's please at least uh, um, you know, socially distance for a meal or, or, or sit down together. Yes, I would love that. Yeah. That would that would be like sort of the perfect cherry on top of the of the trip. It'd be our pleasure. It'd be wonderful. One of the things that I one of the things that hit me particularly in reading your book there well, there there was any number of things honestly but this one story that you write um from OJ or or basically her her stream of consciousness from OJ mm-hmm. where she hits the border and her her thought because i hear it a lot from people who are dming me after having listened to the podcast and they're again questioning like could i do something like this and i love her her words here of i'm an occasional jogger an excessively poor organizer and a perfectly ordinary person who would have imagined i would make it how crazy is that that i could walk from mexico to canada it blows my mind and i just i love that because that is the trail at the very start of the podcast, actually, I think it was on the podcast. Not, I'd asked you about uh, you know, uh, about your hiking experience. Yeah. And it wasn't. It, it was um, uh, a little bit on the light side. And yeah. I, I, I hope you heard from me and felt um, uh, 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 support and encouragement rather than any sort of discouragement. Because the thing is, we have seen you know, we've seen, we've seen seven thousand or so starting through hikers here. And experience and being in shape are very good things. Very good things. <laughs> that said, that said, um, those are not, uh, if I'm asked to pick one trait, mm-hmm. uh, those are not the, uh, 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 those are not the things that point me to necessarily who's going to succeed or not. And the one trait is a bit what OJ didn't mention. In that, in that string of, uh, you know, I, I'm ordinary. Who thought I would have done this extraordinary thing? But one trait she has and has in space. Resilience. Uh. The ability to truthfully look at what's around her, to adjust to it, and to do so cheerfully. Yeah. And I do hear that in you, Erin. Thank you. I'm honored. Because <laughs> what did you just describe to me? You described this huge thing you've been looking forward to. And it got crushed by COVID. And what did you do with it? You have fashioned a way unique to you to still celebrate it and, and, and fan the flames. So you hopefully will get out there and uh, uh, do the PCT next year. Yeah. That's resilience. Thank you, Scout. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for, for, <laughs> I'm having a little bit of an OJ moment. It's really funny here <laughs> because you know, my my decision inspired from photos, trips from your book and, and so forth to, to do this. It was sort of like I was just sort of saying, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to do that. Like, it, it, you know, whatever. It's ordinary. It's it's whatever, you know, and and you just shone the light on it in such a way that makes me go. Ah. Yeah. You should do a podcast along the way, you know, from, from a trail path to someone where you've got connectivity. I should. I definitely will. should try at least. 
at the very least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're kind of coming to the end here, mm-hmm. but I I usually have a question that I ask, but in this case, I'm going to steal a. I'm going to steal my question from you, or I'm going to borrow my question from you, which is, what question haven't I asked that you'd like to answer? Wow. You just sent shivers up my spine. I don't know exactly where that is from the book. Yeah. So the one question you haven't asked uh, that I would like to answer is about my writing journey. Because this book is not just three years and 10 months long to write it. It's not just the 10 years I've worked on it. This book, Journeys North, is the fulfillment of a 40-year dream of mine. Uh, 40 years ago, in my late 20s, uh, I got bit by the writing bug. I was a young lawyer. And yes, folks, I'm a lawyer. Uh, I was a young lawyer and I had a plum job working as a judge's, uh, judge's clerk. And I really wanted to tell people about the experience because there were moments there I just really wanted to describe. Very moving. Some criminal moments, some child custody moments, just really moving. And I sat down to write the next great American novel over three years uh, and tried to get published. I actually had interest in New York. Uh, people would write me back and uh, this doesn't fit our list. Uh, well, we'd like to read your next. And two women from a major house wrote two pages, single spaced of changes they liked. And I was 28 years old and I thought to myself, I'm not going to do that. And then we started having kids and we've been living, uh, I'd hung up my law degree and we've been living like paupers and it was time to move on. And I did. I had a dream in that time formed. And that dream was someday, someday I hope to walk to an airport and see someone reading my book. And that dream has stayed with me in my head. As I get uh, the physical copy of Trace Moore in my hands, it's still there. And on the day I retired, after 25 uh, uh, years with a small firm here in San Diego, the most important thing that day was it was my first deadline for Backpacker Magazine. And now I sit here and I get people like you have been touched with words I've written, and that is just huge to me. I'm 68 years old, and this is happening now. And obviously today I can't walk through the airport, <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, our dreams, yeah. it's, it's amazing to me that, that uh, this is happening to me now. Are you on the socials at all? Am I on? Facebook or Instagram or, or any of those? Oh, um, Instagram. Okay. Uh, it's a journeys.north. Okay, perfect. Instagram. Because I'm sure that people can do... Well, maybe not in a in a airport type of way. Um, I'm sure that people can do a a version of that on Instagram. Huh. huh. Yeah, and I am on Facebook under under Barney Scowman too. I, I don't uh, have have not been feeding that with with book stuff. But actually, in the Instagram, I, um, I think I've done a couple. Uh, oh, there's the moment where I first held the book, first pulled it out of the box. Is there in a little short video on Instagram? So if you don't mind, as long as you're okay with seeing a grown man cry. (laughs) (laughs) I would be honored. Yeah. Yeah. And are those the two best places for people to either find you or and or the book or more about the book? Uh, There's one. There's a third. 
Okay. Um, a couple years back, in furtherance of this dream, I put up an author's website, and uh, uh, you probably can imagine what 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 it is, but it is BarneyScoutman.com. Perfect. A question from you, kind of like I, I guess a final question for you, which sort of swings back to everything that we've kind of been talking about over the last hour and a half, which is. Actually, I, let me step back from that for just a second and say, how many people that have come through your house at the beginning of their trip do you see or hear from when they finish their their walk, however long that is? You know, all year long, all year round, we get cards and letters and such. But actually, maybe one in ten. That should be shot in, 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 in some manner later. Okay. Because my question is from your experience on the trails yourself personally and from all of the people that you've ushered kind of onto the trail or and into the the life of a through hiker how how does a person look when they feel more at home in their skin like someone <laughs> like someone who has held their breath for a long for a long time and just did the first satisfying exhale. Yeah. There's that little, on the face, their, their lips, their cheeks, their body is just relaxed a bit. They hold themselves differently. It's the opposite of the flip side question. How do you look like when you are super tense? Yeah. <laughs> Which is much more easier, which is easier for us to picture, isn't it? Yeah. We can picture what it looks like to be tense. We have a hard time. That was a good question. We have a hard time picturing what does it mean to feel, to feel I like myself, to feel I'm, I feel at home in my own skin. Those are harder pictures for us to paint. Yeah. And I think of how much energy it takes to hold yourself so tense versus all of this energy now being able to go to other things when you sink into yourself. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I hope <sighs> folks listen to this, uh, find time to go walk today. I know. <laughs> point, they will curl up maybe with, uh, uh, maybe some of my words will also help, help take them to a better place. May it only be so. For Scout's episode can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. A special thanks to Scout for sharing his stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. On next week's episode, I'll be talking with Jay and Max, known on Instagram as Non-Binary Nomads. In this episode, we'll talk about section hiking as a way to do the trail when you can't get months off and their non-binary trail experiences. I hope that this conversation these conversations inspire you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own once the flames die down. I'll see you on the trail. Mm-hmm.